0: <laughs> Welcome, to something to drink about. My name is Alex Van Amberg. I'm a certified psalm with the Court of Master Sommeliers and a CSW or Certified Specialist of Wine with the Society of Wine Educators.
1: And I am Christy Collins. I am a mom of three and a yoga teacher.
0: And a Renaissance woman.
1: And a Renaissance woman. Renaissance. Woman. Renaissance. Renaissance.
0: So, uh, alright, so the entire idea behind something Thing to Drink About is that we're here to make wine fun and not frightening. So I know something about wine, Christy knows very little about wine, and the idea is that we get together and we go through a wine together. Just, you know, from looking at it, tasting it, going through the basic tasting procedure, getting an idea of what's in the glass, and then uh, seeing where that takes us. Yeah. It's worth noting that we also have uh, a Facebook page. Uh, So if you're interested, you can go and see us there. We put notes on there, things that we, uh, you know, pictures of the wines, uh, information. We also connect to our WordPress from there. And uh, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to reach out to us there or on Instagram.
1: You may see some Muppet pictures occasionally. If I get a hold of, you know, Alex's computer.
0: Right. And so it's a SOM thing, S-O-M-M hyphen thing to drink about. Uh, Yeah. We're out there in social media. Give us a lick. Give us a lick. Give us
1: a lick. Give
0: us a look. Give us a listen. Hey. Hey, baby. Yeah. All (laughs) right. Ciao. All right. Well, now that I feel ridiculous, moving forward. So let's talk about what's in the glass today, Christy.
1: Well, let me see if I lick it or not. (laughs) (laughs) Give us a lick. (laughs) Okay, well first of all, it's red. And um I know it must mean something. Where's my white piece of paper? I know it must mean something because you used your your uh your medical machine, the coravin, to pour it out. And so it looked like you were performing you were about to perform surgery on the cork. <laughs>
0: Okay, yeah, no, if I've been more thoughtful about using the Coravin before, because we we don't really go through a lot of wine during these uh, episodes, and so we waste a lot of wine, unfortunately. So in the future, I think I'll try to use the Coravin more, not to give you any idea of whether the wine has any value, um, but simply because that way we can save the bottle for later.
1: Darn it. I thought it was going to be old
0: world. Well, if you use a Coravin... And I'm not sure if you're familiar, a lot of people are familiar with that. Let's touch on that real quick. It, it has a needle that goes through the cork, so you don't actually open the bottle. And then you inject um, argon gas into it through the needle, and then it lets wine come back out through the needle, which keeps the wine preserved because it's not going to get oxygen on it. So,
1: And if you have a full bladder, you're going to have to go to the bathroom because it sounds like that.
0: It, it comes out with this trickly sort of Yes. Yes. So uh anyway, so I did use the Coravin on this bottle, but that indicates nothing about it. It means merely that I think we need to save more of these wines instead of wasting three quarters of a bottle every time we do an episode.
1: You know, we could always give that three quarters of a bottle away. Right. We could like say if you like our Facebook <laughs> <You know? laughs> This okay. is how we
0: make friends and win in and, yeah. and influence Never mind. people. Just... Just go to the neighbors, hey we did another episode. You want a bottle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, on to the wine that we have today. So, we have a wine today. We've uh, we Coravined it to get it out of the bottle. Um, we each are, are looking at a glass of wine. And what do you have, Christy?
1: I have a red wine. Good. And it's um, well, be- I just think I like the color of wine. Because, mm-hmm. really, look at my closet. It's all shades, right? It's pink. It's wine. It's like it has that dusty color. Mm-hmm. It looks like my closet.
0: Well, and, this, um, and, and it, there's different types of wine color red, too. So that's something to, to, to actually go into distinction about in this particular case. And you do have a great eye for color, uh, as your closet would attest. So I think <laughs> it's important to um, to actually go a little more into detail about the color red we're looking here.
1: So it looks pink to me. It looks like a dark, you know, the um, rosé wines. It looks like a... Condensed version of that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like a darker rosé.
0: Well, and a lot of those darker rosés have seen some skin talk, uh, skin contact for several days uh, or at least many hours. So they've seen more. So a deeper um, saunier or, 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 or rosé wine that's more uh, red than pink um, has been seeing more skin contact.
1: Well, I've never seen a rosé that's more red than pink. That was just what my brain was pulling up. Oh, okay. That if there was a rosé that was more – that was – squished with more red skins right That's... there's an
0: isabel mondavi rosé <laughs> of cabernet that comes out of california and it, it was uh the 2014 looked like a pinot noir um it was okay. that dark but it was a rosé well it's is the wine see-through is it translucent it's is it purplish? see-through
1: and it's pinkish pinkish okay
0: so it's certainly pink towards the edge but the, the core of it i think actually has a, a slightly deeper color it's as like well. a
1: raspberry pink
0: Um, can I give you the word garnet? Are we seeing garnet here at all?
1: Yes. I
0: know. I love the word garnet. It's amazing. (laughs) So, uh, but this is definitely that, that garnety translucent color. This is a very light wine. It's very, um, it's very clear. I can see writing on the page through the wine, through the core of the wine. You know what I think
1: we're going to need to do? Hmm. I think we're going to have to get a garnet so I can really see a garnet because I only have a garnet from my memory. Garnets were really popular in the eighties, and
0: we that. could also Google garnet. Yeah, but that might be cheaper.
1: Well, I'm thinking that seeing it on a computer is really different than seeing it in real life, and I'm thinking like you know a bracelet, like mm. a nice for those of you who aren't interested bracelet. in
0: investing in jewelry, though I could. Rect- <laughs> allow me to direct you to the wine folly website
1: <laughs> i wasn't thinking about them i was thinking about me
0: <laughs> so um actually we just got a poster and I'm, I'm gonna go get a frame for it hopefully tomorrow uh but wine folly makes these posters and they're actually these some incredible graphics but some of the posters they do actually have posters of all the different wine colors sort of giving you a scale to judge by which is really
1: exciting so i'm, I'm, I'm excited very excited about it I because that. i do every time we do a red wine i'm like well it's it's a color gorgeous but sometimes it is deeper or blacker. This is definitely not black. Um,
0: it looks like a dark raspberry, like a, like a rich raspberry, dark raspberry, garnet color. Um, the, the, there is no color transition towards the edge. It doesn't get more orange or brickish. It just gets thinner towards the edge. Uh, so this is, this is a beautiful, delicate uh, red wine.
1: Delicate is a really good descriptor for this color. Okay,
0: let's move on to the nose.
1: Okay, the nose. So Esther's, can we just talk about Esther for a minute?
0: Let's talk about Esther for a
1: minute. So I just thought I was brilliant coming up with, you know, that that kind of 1940s pin-up girl Diving down into the glass and then swimming back up, climbing up the glass. Well, let's talk about why we came up with
0: Esther. Because when you have the wine in the glass, what you're doing is is, is the alcohol is effervescing off the surface of the wine. And it's taking smell molecules with it as it climbs up the glass. And if you have a red wine glass, um, it should have a curve to it that is narrower at the top than it is at the base where the wine is. Because that causes the alcohol-laden aroma molecules esters, to climb up the side of the glass and to fall back in, therefore intensifying Esther, so you can really get a good smell of what's going on with the wine. If you have a wide open bowl, those smells dissipate. Esther gets lost.
1: Right. So, I love the name Esther, and so I came up with this thing that Esther was swimming, and she had this certain bathing suit on from the 1940s, and she was a pinup girl. And then I'm searching gifts, and I'm searching for, you know, those swimming women in the what it was? It was the forties still when they did the synchronized swimming, on camera, for the whole dance routine of whatever movie it was in, and then comes up Esther Williams. So somewhere in my brain,
0: she was like a competitive swimmer and a beauty bather, wasn't she? And then she it turns out she actually uh, got into TV and into movies, movies as a as a synchronized yeah. swimmer. And a star of that, yeah.
1: And she was a beautiful actress that's and a star beautiful Williams. woman, and she's exactly what I was seeing. Beautiful
0: and... girl. <laughs> what, is it? Singing in the rain. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, and in that movie, when the kids said I look like Sid Charisse, that could have been the my most my happiest moment in my life when all the kids said, "Mom, she looks like you." That's awesome. Like, Seriously, I that's almost
0: like as good as the time someone told you you lost a whole Backstreet Boy.
1: Right. That was pretty good <laughs> that was a too. Good one Thanks, too. Meg.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, back to the wine. So, what we have in our glass is a red wine, lighter colored, very translucent, fairly thin, uh, deep raspberry color, uh, with no color transition towards the edge. Now, what do you smell?
1: Wow, back to business. Um Sorry, Sid. Here we go again. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, little I keep taking taking deep yoga breaths. <laughs> And you can so, take
0: deep breaths if that works for you.
1: It doesn't work because it goes right. I, I just pull Plowing in all the it, yeah. I pull in all the alcohol.
0: So when you're smelling a wine, it helps to take and first smell the wine without swirling it and see what you get and catalog those sensations, and then swirl the wine, and then that helps release ester to climb up the glass and dive back in, and it also concentrates the aromas and lets more in. So you just that's the, what the swirling motion is all about. It also gives you a little show and tell on the side of the glass, but as we've discussed before, that can be both important or unimportant you're going to almost all the rest of that information is going to come on the palate.
1: Okay. So Esther doesn't seem very active here. Okay. And when I swirl it, it's a little bit more intense. Um, Our dog's barking. Hey, Pepper. There's this cat that walks in front of our window and just harasses our dog. She doesn't harass our dog. She does too. She lays, she like purrs, she's like even in the snow, she just sticks her little face in the snow, marks the territory. She's like, Ha ha ha, I'm outside. You're not.
0: Right. And when we're both downstairs doing a podcast, our boys can't seem <laughs> to figure out that the dog yelling needs to go outside. <laughs>
1: Okay, I don't. I have no idea what I was talking about. Okay,
0: you were saying that the, that the nose on this wine was particularly light and not very, not very impressive, or not very, not very. I didn't
1: out, say not impressive.
0: I was correcting that. Not very outstated.
1: It was definitely not outstated. That's my word for sure. <laughs> Outstanding. Totally outstated. Okay. Out. It's not outstated. How do you even use that word?
0: Well, I think it's made it up.
1: Did you make it? up? Um, I don't know. I I actually do smell a a strong alcohol smell. Mm -hmm. It smells dry to me. It doesn't smell florally or citrusy or grapey.
0: How about black raspberries?
1: No. Have you ever had a black raspberry? Stick your nose in the glass and tell me. No such thing as a black
0: raspberry. Darker raspberries. Black raspberries.
1: There is no such thing. Raspberries, when they're ripe and dark, are really sweet and fresh. So, no, I don't smell black raspberries.
0: There are different types of raspberries. There are white raspberries, golden raspberries, red raspberries, and there are black raspberries, which are a really deep purple colored. So, there's a black raspberry that actually exists. It's a thing.
1: Well, I don't know about that. But... (laughs) 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 No, I don't smell black raspberry. Okay.
0: How about cocoa nibs?
1: I'm sorry. What did you just say? How about cocoa nibs? Cocoa nibs, mm-hmm.
0: not chocolate, but cocoa nibs. The the uh, where chocolate comes from. The more, it's more of a bitter, dark chocolate smell. Yeah, I
1: smell that bitter smell. Okay definitely so
0: what i'm getting out of this is black raspberries i'm getting dark cocoa nibs i'm getting i'm rolling my eyes i know you are what about dark <laughs> bing cherries what about uh, not bing cherries but darker like like really rich red dark
1: cherries they're sweet those cherries are sweet and you're not selling dark that? and they're ripe and they're sweet i don't smell sweetness
0: but you're not smelling a fruity note at all i'm gonna keep hammering on this because i'm really certain it's there
1: okay i don't i just don't smell it okay great no problem It could be, you know, I have recently been, had a cold.
0: Don't, you don't make excuses, it's okay. If you don't smell it, you don't smell it. I just don't
1: smell, I don't, I don't.
0: It's fine. No, it's totally fine. Okay. Okay, so moving past the nose of the wine. Yeah. Uh, so to me, okay, so uh, this, is, this does have um, a berry smell. There is, Yes, there is the alcohol there, but behind that I'm getting red raspberries. I'm getting a darker cherry. I'm getting cocoa nibs. Those are the things I'm getting off of this. But I'm not getting earth. I'm getting mild fruits, light, light fruits, light red fruits.
1: Yeah, I get the cocoa nibs. Okay, let's try tasting it. All right. Holy mackerel. Really?
0: Mm. Oh, what's your first impression? Tell me about that.
1: Um, dry. Okay. Um, well, I'm not in love with it.
0: Okay, use your words. Tell me about it.
1: It, it tastes really strong, like you know when you're a kid and your parents drink a lot and you maybe grab their wine glass and chug it. <laughs> <laughs> In case that was a thing you did when hmm. you were a kid. Um, and because you don't drink and because you have an undeveloped palate, it tastes like sour, strong, way too intense. Like, why would anybody drink this except then you, you know, have that feeling. And you're like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. If you could just get past that flavor. Okay. That's what it tastes like. I feel like a, yeah, that's, there you go. That's my story. Okay. let's stick to, to it. Okay.
0: Um, I uh, I had a very different experience when I approached this wine. Um, because to me, it's it's tart, uh, like tart yeah, cherries. Um, definitely, it has tart. A, it, <laughs> it has a sour pie cherry um taste to it. Oh yeah, sour um, pie cherry. It's mouth watering. It's got acid, mm-hmm. so it's it's crisp. It's acidic. Um, and it on um, behind that when when those feelings wash away. And they take that, that darker cherry, um, the, the, sorry, that, that, that sour tart cherry juice feeling mm-hmm. away. Then there's, my mouth gets filled with, um, with moisture and saliva again. And, and that's when I get washed with that, that uh, hints of dark chocolate and cocoa nibs and stuff. That's when it comes back again, strangely enough. Um, I think it's delicious. Because it's all these it's lighter fruits, um, but it's, it's a red wine that has a great acidity to it without huge amounts of tannins, without dryness, without, um, without sucking all the moisture out of my mouth.
1: So I think I was thinking dry instead of tart. Mm-hmm. So I definitely, I would replace that word with tart. Um, and I'm going to take another sip. Okay. Don't do that. When you look at me, you have to put the paper in front of you.
0: Well, I think there's something to be said for this wine too. If you move it around your mouth, if you, if you swish it around a bit.
1: Oh my God. Okay, It's super tart.
0: Well, and maybe, maybe tart isn't your thing. Maybe because there's a, there's, a, I'm not going to even say it's bitter, but there's a tartness to it. And if tart isn't your thing, if you like sweeter wines or softer wines or more vanilla wines, um, then this may not be your kind of wine. You know, right. this, this may be one of the first times we've, we've run up against that particular wall. Because this wine is definitely, it's, it's got a thinner mouthfeel. It's a lighter viscosity. Um, it's very crisp. It's very fresh. Um, it's very tart.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all those things.
0: It's, I mean, if you, if you've had like, you know, cherry juice. From not like maraschino cherry juice, but like cherry juice like like no cranberry.
1: Like pomegranate juice. Cran cherry. Have no, you no like cranberry cherry juice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But pomegranate's better because pomegranate has that cranberry esque tartness, but it's even tartar. So I would say pomegranate juice. Okay, we're cran. Ocean spray, why cranberry do you, pomegranate. Why are you insisting on the cranberry with it?
0: Because that tartness comes to me identifies as a very cranberry flavor. Oh, okay. So um, I like this wine a lot. Uh, I think it's got a lot of depth to it. The flavor certainly lingers with me. It washes my mouth clean with every sip. It
1: washes my mouth clean, too. <laughs> That's for sure. Woo! <laughs> I think it it is um, not my type of wine. Okay. Excellent. Good to know. I didn't know that there was one. But may, could it also be that, um, I don't know. Could it also be what? Well, I'm just thinking, do I have some kind of negative association with it as well?
0: It might very well be. I mean, a lot of times...
1: Yeah, I'm associating it with drinking wine at an early age that I stole from my parents, for sure. Okay. Well, and
0: if I remember correctly, Gilbert um, was also a fan of uh, Chablis and Burgundy. Yes. Yeah. We are drinking a 2016 (laughs) (laughs) Albert Bichot Burgundy uh from uh from burgundy okay so albert bichot actually um the family uh the bichot family moved to burgundy in the 1300s or so but they set up their first winery um in 18 who's what's it and for i guess where they're in their sixth generation of winemakers wine managers right now so Mm -hmm. uh so the the bichot wine they have like five or six properties that they grow wine throughout the burgundy region in
1: france Okay, thank and, God you said France. I'm like, is it in Italy or is it in France? <laughs> Do I have to ask this again?
0: And so um, I need a
1: map with like little pins on it.
0: Well, and the thing is, it's good that you don't have the map because we like illust- we have to illustrate it verbally for people who are like you and don't know. Right. Okay. When I say Burgundy, you're like, oh.
1: <laughs> I did. I totally went. I'm going to have to ask. Is him that again. the Willamette Valley? <laughs> no. At least I know Burgundy is not in America. Mm-hmm. I know that.
0: Well, and let's talk about Burgundy for a second. Because okay. Burgundy was one of the original uh, French wine-growing regions uh, it, that that really... Um, it, it was actually... It was first planted by the Romans um, back in, you know, the two or three or four hundreds. Uh, and in the 1300s or so, with the collapse of the... Um, uh, so with the final collapse of the Roman Empire, then, then the, the uprising of the church, uh, that's when the Cistercian monks took over. And Cistercian monks believed very much that... They could get closer to God through hard work.
1: Wait, so the Cistercian monks took over...
0: The vineyard plots that had been the planted. The vineyard plots mm-hmm.
1: for their... Monasteries. Monasteries. So they could have sacramental wine and wine for their them and their buddies? And to sell. Oh, and to sell. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't realize they sold it.
0: Well, and one thing about Burgundy, too, is, is people don't realize that Burgundy was its own separate kingdom as well for a very long time. Oh, so really? there was the Burgundian kings... Um, that in france oh, that's so, so cool. france was actually broken up into multiple duchies and different kingdoms um and so the french kings there was the burgundian kings as well the house of burgundy actually had the burgundy region and and that was as well as there were different um you know the the, the kings of avalon and and different areas of france had different kings um different and they slowly amalgamated and became the, the kingdom of france after years of warfare but burgundy okay, was but originally Okay but did they have
1: that, it's does Burgundy have a castle for its king?
0: You know, actually, I've never been to Burgundy, so I don't know. I would assume that there is a, a number of historic. Okay, we have rooms to look that
1: up and then put it on the web page mm-hmm. because, or the Facebook page, because that's really cool.
0: Well, and and so Burgundy's been around growing wine for close to two thousand years now. Okay, uh, which is is amazing. And during that time, and what the Cistercian monks really did was that they worked over the land foot by foot, inch by inch, and mapped it out in intense detail. Uh, in in a way that went on for generation after generation. So they really knew what grew well where. And originally, Burgundy, during this time, had like three or four types of grapes that they grew. Um, And so they would grow uh, Pinot Noir, they would Mm -hmm. grow um, Chardonnay, and they would grow Gamay. Uh, They also tried growing other things, but as they, they kept experimenting and kept finding out what really worked, what really worked was Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And so eventually, they they were actually growing gamay too for a while because pinot noir is really finicky and gamay grows gangbusters. And then one of the kings at one point, I think it was Philip the pa, blah blah blah.
1: He oh, really,
0: he outlawed <laughs> growing gamay in the Burgundy region um, and made them tear up all their vines because so even though it was producing a lot of wine, it wasn't as good as the pinot noir. So he made everyone grow the tougher to grow stuff interesting. It is fascinating because there's, there's certain areas and you look at a map of Burgundy and they, they call it the Cote de Rhone and the Cote d'Or and they're called the Roasted Hills and there's this very narrow bandwidth of hills where they grow these wines that are selling for $3,000 a bottle. Mm. It's incredible what they're doing there but the, all that research was done by the Cistercian monks and it's been run by families ever since. Um, it, it, it's really an amazing area and for Albert Bichot to have or the family of Bichot to have six plots to draw grapes from and they create Um, maybe 15 different wines. Some of them are single vineyard plots. Some of them are blends from different areas. And this is just their baseline Burgundy, which is all the Burgundy wines that don't make it into their single vineyard stuff. So this bottle of wine, despite being opened with a Coravin, is only about $20. Okay. And it is a great example of classic Burgundy Pinot Noir wine coming from France.
1: I wonder if it isn't because... Anyway. Okay. I don't know how to say this, but I wonder if it isn't one of the wines that Gilbert used to taste me on, mm-hmm. right? Because he used to say, taste this, and mm-hmm. this is good wine.
0: And Because of your youth, you formed a negative association with it. Right. It's very possible. Um, Burgundy, and because if you look at this, this is wine has an intense color, but it's very translucent. It's very light, and there's an intensity of flavor here, but it's not sugar-forward. It's not sweet. In Mm -hmm. the way that most American wines are. Americans have a very sweet palate. We love candy. We love soda Mm -hmm. pop. We love sugar in our bread and in our peanut butter. I am saying that your training Mm. through your entire life has been for a certain style of food and drink. Whereas the French um, don't have that. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't have that obsessive need to put sugar in everything. And so our wines in America tend to be very sweet and very sweet-driven. So if you get a Pinot Noir from California, the color is usually a lot darker. The alcohol is usually higher. The flavors are usually fruitier and sweeter. Absolutely. So it's more like sweet pie cherries that have already been put in a pie as opposed to the bitter tart pie cherries before mm-hmm. they go into the pie. So a lot of times, burgundy wines coming out of France will also be more earth-driven. There'll there'll be they'll be You'll, you'll smell uh, the earth and the potting soil before you even get to the fruit. So this is actually one of the first old-world wines we've actually done together. Uh, and so I'm not surprised to find that this doesn't meet your uh, estimation of what a good wine is.
1: Well, you are calling me an American.
0: I I'm, We are both Americans. Okay. I, the difference is, is that I've eaten and drank in a lot of things Um, From outside our continent in an effort to understand better where I'm coming from Mm -hmm. with these wines and why they're considered world-class wines. Whereas I don't know that you, even though you did spend that summer in Oxford, that was English cooking. So... Not... (laughs)
1: Not fine cooking. And on either. your budget, it certainly
0: wasn't No, the world-class cuisine <laughs> people are talking about. So I don't know that, that the things that you've experienced have opened your eyes to what the world used to be like. There's that movie, Julia and Julia, mm-hmm. uh, which was a great example of Julia Child's going to France and suddenly experiencing what old world cuisine and old world wines could really be like. And it was such an eye-opening experience for her that she decided to bring that back to the U.S. And in a lot of ways, we're inheritors of her legacy that way. Those wines, that style of cooking has influenced American cooking since the 50s onwards. And we've grown a lot, but it doesn't change who we were for the last 200 years.
1: Well, and interestingly enough, all of my experimental cooking has been out of her cookbook.
0: There's a lot to be said for European cooking. Not all of it's great. Not all European wines are great, but they are distinctly different in style.
1: Yes, distinctly what, different.
0: And that's uh, that's why they call them the old world wines versus new world wines. Mm-hmm. New world wines tend to follow a certain pattern. Old world wines tend to follow a certain pattern. So we'll have more old world wines coming up. But for right now, I thought this was really a great way to open that up, starting with one of the oldest wine-growing regions in Europe, or at least in France, uh, and um, going with just a classic example of what Burgundy is. And seeing how you reacted to that, so remember those flavors, remember that palette, because it will be indicative in the future when okay. you come across this again. It'll be educate, you know. There's 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 things to be learned here that are exciting and fun.
1: Well, and going back to Gilbert, who is my stepdad, I I don't think we made that clear. Um, and he was an awesome, awesome human being. Um, a little shady, but still <laughs> an awesome human being, and he did have that need to experience things from other countries and he was an adventurer well gilbert
0: grew up rough Yes. If I remember correctly, I mean, he was a he was a footrunner for Al Capone in his youth. He in ended up going Chicago. into the military when he was 15 and fought in World War Two as a as a tail gunner. He lived in Alaska. Um, he, he saw a lot of the world and he saw a lot of people who had finer things in the world. And so it's not at all surprising that he wanted to explore those things. And so I think Gilbert's a great example of, of what we all really want out of life is a little something more than we were given at birth. Right, and th- how do we find that? How do we explore that? And, and I don't think Gilbert had anyone to take him by the hand and go, "Let's try this. This is what this should be. This is what this is." So I think that that for Gilbert to explore and find all that on his own was was a, a rough road to go. And I think that's where we're really gifted, you and I, because we've had people well, along the way like Tara, right, like Danielle, to show us uh, the you know to stand. We could stand on their shoulders and gain from their knowledge. And now that's what we're trying to do here in this podcast: is is take those experiences you and I have had mm-hmm. um, you know, at the. Knee of these really well educated women in particular right. and share that with uh, with whoever will listen.
1: Well, he also had the experience of it, but he didn't have the language of it mm-hmm. right His language was was rough and it was simple and so he didn't have that language. So he did try to take me as a young teenager all the way through my 20s, he did try to take me out and experience things. Mm -hmm. And that was his way of teaching, which for me was a great way to learn. But I do remember, you know, he took me to Tijuana and and we tasted (laughs) tequila (laughs) and – (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, and, and I think that he gave you everything that he had to offer. And so full marks for a generosity of spirit, if not the uh, the language to actually to educate properly. Mm-hmm. So and, and that may be that you took a negative experience from that. So we're going to keep barraging you with with wines of the world and we're going to see what sticks and what doesn't. And All it'll right. be interesting to see where we're at as we get further along in this process.
1: OK, nice way to wrap that up. And so uh-huh. let's moving on to the next segment of our podcast,
0: which is the summary and the close. Right. So over um, to you. <laughs> So, if you haven't gone to our Facebook page, please do it's psalm thing to drink about s o m m hyphen thing to drink about so go to psalm thing to drink about and we're also on instagram uh we post pictures of all the wines we taste as well as other things that catch our attention uh we have a web page as well um where we write articles Are we
1: already done
0: and uh yeah, really time flies when you're having fun and yelling at the children in between okay so. <laughs> This wine today has been a 2016 Albert Bichot, Albert Bichot, Burgon, Ville Vignette de Pinot Noir, uh, which is a Pinot Noir coming from Burgundy. This is their uh, their house blend from all their different areas they grow Pinot Noir in. in and what year? 2016.
1: Okay. Did you already say that and did I just it? checked out? Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> so, Sorry. All right. Grab your glass and let's rock and roll this thing out. <laughs> I
1: can't believe it's over